It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. Hope everybody is doing well out there, and hope our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics are doing well. At least Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies. they got four locations to pick from. We've been talking about those locations. Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and, of course, that Knoxville location right across from Trader Joe's. Or you can buy online at their website. Check them out at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along with us on this Thursday edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Plenty of questions coming in on a variety of topics, so let's dive right into them. Uh, out of the gate here from um, Deshaun 13, Florida's building an army, but they don't have any soldiers. Their class is falling apart. What's your take on that? Kids leaving or is Napier going to scorched earth strategy and holding spots for next year? This could be the first all portal team. Rob, I, I don't know if you've checked out any Florida chatter on the social media scene or website scene out there. That is not a fan base very happy with Billy Napier's first five, four or five days on the job. It has not gone well with the continued number of decommits for them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not following as close as Austin is as far as the, the recruiting stuff. But just the the angst of the Florida fan base is something that um, you know, I think Tennessee fans are are enjoying immensely. Their their, their tears are sweet. Yeah, you know, you lose your quarterback. You lose two receivers now. Hubs. I mean. You know, it, it's not ideal. Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to have, you know, a couple of losses to, 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 to get a positive, but it doesn't feel that way in this case. You know, you know this is not, some, you know, subtraction, you know, or addition by subtraction. Um, just feels like that, you know, he's, he's going to go about it his way. If it pays off, sure, but he'll be able to look back and you'll go, okay, that was the this but if you don't he puts it behind the eight ball before it ever starts yeah i think what's what, what is kind of interesting rob when you look at everybody around the country um there's been a lot of major moves obviously with, with coaches moving nobody's got a staff in place i mean a, a full staff or even close to a full staff I, I think brian kelly made a hell of a hire in frank wilson i think that's a smart move with all the louisiana ties there and Brian Kelly needs enough help there. You know, Billy Napier's brought some guys from Louisiana with him, a co-defensive coordinator and another position coach. But but he's far from having a full staff at this point. Probably the major staff hired at this point has been Jeff Levy by Brent Venables, who was one of the last guys hired. I just have to think from a recruiting standpoint, not having a staff in place and the unknowns there um, are creating some panic for recruits on, on what to do, causing some decommits. And I'll be curious to see if any of them want to wait till February or if all these guys are going to pick someplace else and, and sign. I mean, it, there's a lot of late action, so to speak, uh, with coaching movement here that's causing a lot of problems and angst for recruits as well as it is for fan bases. And I think it's pretty fascinating. And I, I mean, maybe some people have the foresight to see it coming, but I think it's a major impl implication of the early signing period and such a benefit. If you have some stability, you know, you really put you ahead of the, of the game. I mean, like not only in holding on to your own kids, but maybe poaching some others, you know, from all these kids that are decommitting, but 
I mean, if you get fired at the end of the regular season, I mean, if, if you're a, a program that makes a change at the end of the regular season, I mean, you're exactly right. It's, I mean, it's, it's nigh impossible to hire a head coach and have that head coach assemble a staff before, you know, the, the second week of, of December. You know, when Jeremy or when Butch Jones got fired, that was the first year of the early signing period. This is the first, and we, and you saw some, you, you saw some natural, um, you know, people like Tennessee having to take reaches on kids uh, in January. Um, one of those reaches was Cedric Tillman, pretty good reach. Other ones were like Brandon Davis, and, and even a guy like Harrod Garland haven't necessarily panned out. Um, this is the first year of the early signing period with the transfer portal in effect from a standpoint of the one-time transfer is legal now. Like before you had to have the, you know, all the stuff going with it, you know, to, to, you know, when the appeal and all that, now it's not the case anymore. So when you lose a coach or when you make a coaching change, you naturally now see some really good players, you know, like at Oklahoma, go ahead and get in the portal then you're going to lose commits like Florida has. It's like a combination of everything. So as Rob just pointed out, the to me, it should, you know, as much as you, you know, there's this knee-jerk reaction to make change, I think over time the teams that are more stable over this next three, four years could prove pivotal in in kind of the pecking order of league play. And, you know, and, if, and to dig yourself out, you got to be in a really special spot. Florida's in a cool spot from a standpoint of all kinds of talent around them. Florida's one. I don't know if they'll just free fall, but I do think this is a hit early on. Yeah, and Mario Cristobal coming down there with his South Florida ties doesn't help Florida in recruiting the bottom of that, or the southern part of that state uh, as well. Uh, and I think that stability is why you're seeing some coaches get some ridiculous salaries too, because I think there's some people out there know, you know what, you just can't go through a change because it's really hard to overcome. Um, let, let's go to Sam Smith, 2233. Rob, to you, what can this team do between now and March to get more consistent shooting the three ball? They have played eight games, and four of those games they have shot 42% or better from beyond the line, and the other four they've shot 26% or worse. Can't expect to win in March being that inconsistent with the three ball. Any chance Rick changes some of his offensive philosophy with the dependency on the three ball? No, I mean, I think he's going to encourage his guys to take open shots, and if that shot is a, is a three-pointer, then he's going to want them to take it. I mean, last night, or Tuesday night, was – I mean, do you recall – I didn't think they took a lot of bad shots. I, mean, I thought Kennedy maybe launched one, you know, maybe early that was contested, but, I mean, they took 40 shots, and I mean, they weren't fading away from, from 22 feet or, you know, curling all screens and popping them with a guy in their face. I mean, they just I mean, couldn't throw it in the ocean. It happens. Yeah, and I think the question that everybody wants to wonder is, it, look, if you get in the first half and you can't make threes, are you going to keep shoot, trying to shoot your way out of it? Or is there a counter to that for this team in, in terms of being able to score? Because somebody's going to sit there, and, and at Texas Tech did this to some degree, Rob. I think people are just going to say, you know what? I'm not letting Kennedy Chandler get to the rim. You know, we're, we're going to do everything we can to not let that happen, and we'll dare you to shoot the three ball. And, and what's Tennessee's counter to that if it's a night where they can't throw it in the ocean? Now, they I mean, may I not have, you know. I don't think they have one. I mean, if, if you're going to not – if you're going to deny penetration to the degree that Texas A or Texas Tech did, and, you know, Fulkerson's not going to be able to, you know, make you pay for, for that, which he did not. I mean, he had, he had 10 points, but that's in 45 minutes. Uh, not a great game. I mean, they had all kinds of open shots, all kinds of them. I mean, 
and shot it like the three of us. I mean, you got you got to make them. I mean, that's just it's pretty simple. I mean, sometimes you don't need Jay Billis to break it down for you. You can't go six of forty from three. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to win when you do that for sure. Um, Vol since 1996 is Trayvon Flowers coming back for a fifth year. Also, who's going to start uh, in Alante Taylor's spot in the bowl game? Kamal Haddon makes the most sense for that uh, cornerback spot with Alante Taylor being out. He's played the most. Uh, is Trayvon Flowers coming back or not? He went through senior day, right? He did. I still think he comes back. And to add to that, I will say that I don't know if it's locked in Kamal Haddon starts or not. I think you've got, you know, 15 practices to kind of determine that. So, you know, I, I think he maybe has the inside track because he's played the most, Brent. But you have 15 practices to get somebody else ready. If you're wanting to take a long look at Brandon Turnage out there or Deshaun Rucker or whoever else, might be a good spot to, uh, you know, get them some run. Yeah, Kenneth George appears to be out. So Haddon's the only one that's got any real experience there. So we'll see what happens with those other 15 guys. Uh, but it would, you know, most, most would suggest, as I did, that it would be Haddon just because, as you mentioned, he has played the most of any of those guys. But we'll see what bowl practice looks like as Tennessee gets started with bowl practice on Saturday officially. Bruce Fall wants to know, we know we need we know the need for linebackers. Will Tennessee pursue TJ Dudley? Uh, where do you think things stand with Tolan? And um, what's the latest on linebackers? Dudley and Tolan. Well, Dudley doesn't feel like it. Um, won't totally close the door there, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Um, and then Tolan going to visit LSU this weekend. It'll all, all depend on that visit. I, I think Tennessee's in a good spot going in. Um, but he goes over there to LSU and, you know, Brian Kelly kind of solidifies things and, and, you know, they have, you know, a, a good visit. You know, Tolan, Tolan likes the visits. So we'll see if, uh, he gets persuaded one more time. Yep, he does like the visits for sure, and uh, he has taken that second official visit to LSU, and he can do that because of the coaching change that took place with the Tigers. And uh, you'll see that at several other stops probably around the country here this last weekend. Iron Vol, I know UT can't supply recruits with tickets to bowl games, but any early thoughts on mid-state guys that may take a look at coming to the game? And also your takeaways from the podcast with uh, – with the NIL stuff earlier this week, how does that relationship with players develop? Are they talking to recruits, or is that against the rules, or is that done after they sign? How do you think recruits find out about NIL potential, in other words? Appreciate that podcast. Um, I, I, don't no, know no. Any, I don't know if any recruits going to a bowl game, Austin. No, I mean, I, you know, one, it's too early to know, and, and two, um, you know, I, kill kids, you know, I just – they're not it's paying just, too the just too early to know. It's well, I mean, too early and, to know. And what's the, I mean, well, I, get, I mean, you're not going to be able to visit with the coaches or, you know, be in the locker room or anything like that during the dead period. That's. Yeah. Probably sitting in front of the TV, hanging out with the buddies uh, for, for most of those. As for the NIL stuff, my take from it, Austin, is this. I think there's a lot of discussion on visits that players have with other players about NIL opportunities, you know, because, obviously that's something that's coming up with coaches and coaches are saying, yeah, we've got opportunities in this town and we've got players who have had this and who have had that. And then I think recruits are talking to players about, Hey, how does it work? How's it worked here? What's going on? I think that's, it's more of a conversation like that with NIL. It's not NIL companies out there, um, you know, gallivanting around doing a bunch of stuff. I, I think it's more players talking to other players. Don't you? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think, with, especially with the recruiting, um, you know, 
there, there's enough, you know, chatter out there uh, about schools and, you know, potential earnings at certain schools that, uh, you know, word of mouth is where, uh, you know, it all starts anyway. Yeah. And certainly, I mean, every recruit coming into Alabama is asking Brian, asking young about your, your, your NIL deal. Right. I mean, cause that's a known deal that, that he's making money. So uh, that's just a conversation. Kids like to talk and kids talk to each other, um, particularly on visits. I mean, that those are the biggest part of the visits. It's not the formal presentation. It's the conversations that those guys have with other kids that, that helps those guys understand what it's like to play at that particular place. E Schaefer 92 with the powerhouses and college football handpicking the top talent, not only in the high school ranks, but also now from the portal. Do we ever see the NCAA create some sort of rule in relation to the portal to prevent the inevitable dream teams that are already being unfolded? Or is this just now um, the, the world that we live in where it's harder for middle-of-the-pack programs? Rob, I think it's harder for middle-of-the-pack programs. Yeah, no rule. I mean, you got to add also, I mean, once this – you know, once this is the reality, is it here for a few years? I mean, you're not going, you're not going to take seven kids in the portal every year and limit your high school recruiting that much. I mean, there's not going to be enough room for all these guys. But I think it's overblown to some. I think the dream team statement is is overblown, and like we said about, you know, the Florida a minute ago, stability is going to benefit you. I mean, it's more important than ever that you, you have a stable infrastructure, I think, when you have so many guys looking to move around. I think the only challenge, Austin, from an NCAA standpoint, this has nothing to do with the dream team, is is there anything that they look at to try to help high school kids in, in terms of the lower-level schools? Because if you're, um, if you're at the, the, the Eastern Kentucky, Chattanooga, ETSU level, how many high school kids are you going to take versus how many transfers are you going to take? Would they ever put a cap on the number of transfers that they could take there within that 25 scope or, or bigger scope and, and try to help some high school players who may get left behind? That would be the only thing I could foresee. And I don't see that. I don't see that happening. Yeah. I think it's kind of hard to put a cap on it. Hubs. I mean, how can you say that, you know, how can you say, well, you know, you really only need seven transfers. You don't need, nine you know when you know some of these schools may need nine transfers um you know for my liking you know I, I just think that those level of schools that you just you know mentioned are always going to lean the portal they, they lean transfers anyways because you were going down and you can get them to play right away um you know at, at that level now they're really going to lean the portal and you know my advice to I was talking to a kid the other day um, out at the all-star practice, the all-star game we're doing Friday here in Knoxville. And he's got some nice mid-level offers. And, you know, in his mind, he wants to be at a bigger place. And I said, well, just go to the mid-level place and ball out. I said, that's cool. The, the, the Chattanooga's Eastern Kentucky's of the world are going to become the farm system for the bigger schools. You know, they're, they're going to the, – the better players at those places are going to play a couple of years, and then they're going to get poached out of there quick. And that's going to be the new thing. The, the farm system for college football is going to be, you know, it'd be like the equivalent of, hey, we really like this kid. We can't offer him right now. Hey, why don't you go to Chattanooga, and then we'll bring you up in a couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or if you're at Duke, you go to, you know, or North Carolina, go to North Carolina Central, we'll bring you up to Duke in a couple of years. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see how many of those schools do that, or do or do the Power Five schools want another Power Five guy who's transferring from somewhere else? You know, um, you, you've seen some like like Jared Verse, who's at Albany, who's got Power Five offers because he's played well. Then you've got some who have left from that level of school and and haven't gotten any intrigue with that. I mean, every situation is different. I think ultimately there's going to be a lot of kids without a home, a lot of kids looking for places, a lot of kids going to be disappointed about where they land or where they don't land. Jared Verse is going to be the exception to that. Speaking of Verse, we got a question about him from Govals 1997. Nice segue. segue. Thank you. Uh, Could Verse still take a visit here next weekend, even if he doesn't make it in this weekend? The answer to that is no those guys go by the same rules. Once it's in a dead period, it's in a dead period. The, the transfers cannot take a, any kind of visit or anything like that. So I don't expect him here this weekend, Austin. Um, and I don't expect Tennessee ultimately to end up with Jared Verse unless he delays making a decision and, and tries to take a, a early visit in January and then make a quick decision to go somewhere midterm. Doesn't feel like he's coming in this weekend. Things could change. It's Thursday morning. I get that but it doesn't feel like it to me that he's going to be here. Correct. Um, who do you think will Tennessee will end up signing at receiver in the early period? Also, who do you think Tennessee will sign along the defensive line in the early period that isn't already committed? In other words, make some predictions there, Austin Price. I don't want to. <laughs> so re- receivers, I, th- I think, you know, look, where are they with Caleb Webb? And then obviously they've got commits. Uh, yeah, I mean they- – Hub's 50 gift on Caleb Webb. I mean, anybody that's followed us knows that that's the case. Um, uh, as for, you know, the other guys, I mean, you know, it just depends if Tennessee's going to take another receiver. You know, I, I would argue that if Tennessee's going to take another receiver, they need to go to the portal and get a guy with experience, not take another high school kid. And get a guy with experience who's an outside receiver. Yes. Not so, a slide uh, this, this address that because I know this has been asked probably five times. So, no C.J. Smith? We'll see what this staff ultimately ends up doing. There's back and forth. I mean, they go back and forth on C.J. Smith. Um, I like a guy with experience. I, I'm I'm with I'm with Austin with where they are right now. An outside guy, you know. If I'm going to take another one, I'm taking. A, I'm trying to take a transfer guy. And I got to think Tennessee's really attractive to a veteran receiver. I mean, just pop on, pop on the tape. You know, do you want to come here and and play in this? Now, but particularly if your quarterback's coming back. Well, and I mean. How many of those did the Virginia Tech kids go on the portal that Hinton knows? Like a Trey Turner, you know. I mean, everybody, you know, they can maybe get forced on his name out there a few times. And I mean, that that would, you know, if he went in the portal, it would be plausible. Well, that gets me back to this question, and this is for both of you guys. How challenging is it for a coaching staff to be patient? You know, look, you got twenty five hundred guys in the portal right now, right? I mean, it's like you're going to the you're going to the car lot, and everybody's got a brand new car. But are, do you want one of those cars or do you want to wait and see what the new model looks like? Because there's going to be another wave of guys go in the portal in the spring. I think we all believe that. So what's the challenge for a coaching staff to be patient and how hard do you think that is? I think it's real hard because bird in the hand, you know, the, the, what if it just doesn't materialize in the spring? You know, I mean, you just don't know. Again, how many times have you heard, this guy's going to go in the portal and then he never goes. Or sometimes you hear this guy's going to go in the portal and then he does go in the portal. So, um, you know, I, I think coaches a lot of times will, will, will lean towards, you know, what they know and what they know at the time is they can get player X and aren't patient enough to wait on player Y. 
All right, let's go to Vol for Life 37643. Uh, will the details of the investigation ever be made public so we will know exactly what the previous staff did? What improvements do Banks and Beasley need to make going into next year? And what linebacker recruits are we looking at to improve depth? Also, we all know you all talk to a lot of people. How many contacts are in your phone? And do you delete contacts if you do when? I know that's a crazy question. Let's start with the investigation question first. Yes, Rob, they will, we will eventually know the details because at some point when this thing is completely wrapped up, it will be released and be a public record. Yeah, it'll be FOI. There'll be a million FOI requests and, you know, a state university paying that much money for an internal investigation, they will have to release the documents. Which is exactly what they did when, when the Bruce Pearl situation came out as well. I mean, that was all publicly known. What, what do you need to see out of Banks and Beasley from an improvement standpoint? Well, I think the easy easy one on, on Beasley is he's got to get bigger and stronger or needs to get bigger and stronger. But some of that stuff, I mean, I just don't think you can teach or coach. I mean, they take they they repeatedly take bad angles. I don't it doesn't seem to me like Banks in particular has a great feel for coverage. And you know, I'm not I mean, Beasley's got plenty of athleticism. He he's small and, and again the tackling stuff, some I mean you can you can hit the dummy all day long, but some of that stuff is just, you know, footwork and, and, and instincts. And I don't, I don't know how much you can coach it. Austin, is it a situation where Tim Banks got to do what he did to back half the year and just kind of protect those guys a little bit in terms of space cut, space stuff, try to play them in the box more, particularly Banks? Yeah. I mean, I think you got to it, – it's just like, you know, when you – when your offensive line isn't great and you, you keep the tight end in to, to help a pass protection. You know, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta max protect the defense, so to speak. So so yeah. And it, 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 it didn't help that they weren't great at safety either. I mean, <laughs> you know. Right. That's true. I'll take the last question. Bukus of, of contacts in my phone. You never delete them because you never know when somebody comes back. Who thought Derek Ansley was coming back? Who thought Jim Cheney was coming back? I mean, we all know I you know, I mean Roger Garner, Willie Martinez, you know. The, the list goes on and on with, with those guys yeah. who, who come back. So, yeah, I'm not taking anybody out of my phone. Um, and, 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 and real honestly, if you're good at your job, you make those you make the occasional phone call to those people, even when they're not here, just to check in with them. Because you don't want it to be like, oh, I didn't hear from you for eight years, and now that I'm back, you're calling me again. Yep. That's how I, that's how I approach it. No, I think you're 100% right. I think, that's the, I think that's the longevity of the game. You always play the long game that way. Um, Next question, who are some of the decommits from other schools Tennessee's contacted? As of today, who are the two best chances of landing a defensive lineman? Look, Tennessee's gone after they, – they've made contact with a bunch of decommits. I mean, that, you know, that's, they've continued to have contact. I think we have a pretty I – mean, look, we're a week – less than a week away from signing day. you got a pretty good idea where the board's at and, and kind of what's left. So, um, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of new names who are popping up on the radar here uh, over the course of the next four or five days. Um, as for the defensive lineman, um, Agu, right? Tennessee yep. Real shot there. Big visit weekend this weekend. Irie West and then Gabriel Yakas. Yeah, both those guys um, will visit. Yeah, both those guys will visit. You know. I, and then we'll see what Umba does, right? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Does he go back to Miami? Um, and, again, he's going to sign on the 15th but not announce his decision until he is on French television. Uh, December 19th. So, uh, you know, 
You don't have any idea what you just said. That's oh, no, I don't. I, but I can promise you that was my sophomore year, Miss Jefferson, Morristown East dialogue quiz from French class, sophomore year high school. But 100% accurate. I do not know what it says, but it was has been ingrained in my memory. And that's all I remember from that class. I took French as well. Mine was parlez-vous français. Do you speak French? And the answer, my answer always was no, no, I don't. I'm from East Tennessee. I'm not speaking any French. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hubs, Hubs, you, of course, you went to like, you got those voice lessons or whatever way back in the day when you're doing a lot of radio. So you don't have that twang. You literally just had twang when you said Farley Bufron's. Well, I, was, I was trying to channel my inner Brian Kelly is all I was trying to do, Rob Lewis. <laughs> oh, geez. Family. All right. Uh, where does Tennessee stand with Dante Bohr and over under two and a half transfers before spring practice? After surprisingly no transfers after this season, Rob, you got you got a you got a bunch of transfers before spring, or you think this thing's going to be post spring? I mean, if the kids haven't left yet, I got I got no. Don't you? I mean, the, the way I mean, you want to get your name out there. Why go in the portal before spring if you're going to start the spring semester at Tennessee? And if you haven't done it, you right. know by now. I mean, if you right. if you haven't done it like the day after the season, so that you can you know start talking to coaches and maybe take a visit or two before the dead period. I don't. I mean. I say under. Um, AP, you know anything on Dante Moore? Yeah, quarterback from uh, Michigan. Um, I don't think Tennessee's the leader there or anything. I mean, yeah. they're in it. They're, they're, they're definitely – I mean, Joey Halsley's been up to see him since the coach has been out on the road, but it sure doesn't feel like the ball's lead or anything. I yeah. will say one name that Tennessee's continued to at least have a dialogue with that's not a quarterback um, is uh, – uh, Dick Benoson, the cornerback from New Jersey. Everybody's got him pegged for Ole Miss, and I think that's probably where he ends up. But he's still at least having dialogue with Tennessee, so that's noteworthy. Yeah, and that's the guy who visited back during the season, correct? Yep. All right. Uh, with all the coaching turnover that's taken place, have you heard of Tennessee targeting any high school offensive tackles that may have been committed elsewhere or that are looking around? Uh, already addressed that one. I mean, I don't know of any new name that's going to pop up and visit again. I think the question is how wild, Rob, or how interesting is January going to be? If you're a coach, are you holding spot for somebody, high school kid in January? Are there going to be a bunch of kids who are not a bunch, but are there going to be a good number of kids who don't sign early because of all the coaching changes? I mean, that, that's, that kind of remains to be seen at this point. And that's something that everybody is kind of trying to get a feel for when you talk about, you know, Mario Cristobal making a move. Do the Oregon commits go with him, or do those guys wait and see? They don't have a coach to sign with right now. So how do all those guys play it? And the same can be said for many other places. I mean, don't you think – I mean, just reading Austin's <clears throat> tidbits from the trail, which are fantastic, by the way. I mean, don't you think we'd be seeing those names pop up this week? Is I mean, if there were if there were guys committed elsewhere that the staff was trying to poach, that they – we would hear about them, you know, popping into that, that recruits high school. Yes, I, th I think so. And I think that's why Tennessee, if they're going to take another offensive lineman, will ultimately end up taking a, a transfer offensive lineman out of the portal if, if that's what ends up happening. Speaking of offensive linemen, do you think Calvert is going is considering coming back? And if he's back, what are the odds on favored of him winning the starting job? Um, uh, Rob, you think he's back? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, talking to some people, I think that that's his plan is to come back. I mean, as far as the odds to win the job, I I don't know. Yeah, he's got to stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing is stay healthy. It was a bit of a surprise that he went through the senior day ceremony stuff because um, I'm not sure a lot of people uh, 
necessarily thought that was going to happen, but um, we'll see where it goes from there. Austin, can you break down where UT's current high school O-lines commit in terms of position? You mean the four that are committed? Yes. Um, Addison Nichols, a right tackle or a guard. Um, you look at Mo Clippers, a guard. Masai uh, Reddick is a guard. And Brian Grant's a tackle. All right. And uh, we're going to run through a couple more here pretty quickly. Do you see coaching changes like Lincoln Riley going to USC, the exception or the rule going forward? Uh, while blue chip players may want to be in the SEC for obvious reasons, it seems like the league is just a meat grinder for coaches. Um, so do you see coaches wanting out of the SEC? I guess is sort of what he's asking. Well, no, I mean, Brian Kelly came to the SEC because he didn't think he could win a national title at Old Notre Dame and felt like he needed to make that move if he's going to cement himself as a national championship coach. Um, Lincoln Riley thinks he can get it done and go outside the box, get in the playoff and, you know, score some points and beat a big, uh, an SEC school. Time will tell if that can happen. It did not happen at Oklahoma. I think uh, for, I think for coaches out there, it's about resources, Rob. I agree. And I mean, would you rather live in Oklahoma or Southern California on the ocean? I, mean, I think that's a little bit overlooked. Particularly if they're buying you a $6 million house, right? Yeah. But yeah, resources and access to talent. I mean, it's it, it's tough to beat USC. I, mean, I know they've been down, and I know you know maybe they don't have the infrastructure that some of the programs have. But I mean, they're they've won a lot of football games at Southern Cal. I think that I think the story for everybody out there is where's all the money coming from? You look at what Miami's paying. I mean, they're paying eight million dollars for Manny Diaz to leave, eight million dollars to have the right to hire Crystal Ball, and then eight million dollars salary to Crystal Ball. Lots of checks being written by a lot of donors, so we'll see how all that plays out uh, moving forward. Austin, give me the top two players in the state, any position for 23 and 24 that you like, top couple of players. Well, I mean, Caleb Herring's by far the number one player in the state in 23. Um, after that, I think it's more of a hodgepodge, man. I mean, I, I don't think that you look at it and go, ooh, like, like with the 22s, okay, you had Ty, you had Walter Nolan, you had, you know, uh, and then and then a couple other guys that were right up there near the top that you really like. I think Keaton Wade is a phenomenal player. Um, you know, I think Destin Wade's a playmaker. He's not a quarterback, uh, but he'll, he'll help uh, he'll help Kentucky or wherever he ends up playing college ball at eventually. Um, you know, you, you know, you, you like Dallin Hayden. You like Jordan James. They're kind of comparable. But this twenty three group is kind of Caleb Herring. And then there's a drop down to the Shamar Porters, the Jacob Pages, the, the those type guys. Um, I mean, I like Marquez Taylor a lot. I like Deshaun Bishop a lot. We have them criminally underranked at rivals, and uh, you know, so we'll see. Um, but I, I think it's Herring, and then it just it, it, there's a fall off after that. I really believe that All there's right. some players, but as far as like top top shelf, I'm sure there are those. What is set in stone for the 21-22 all-season stadium renovations? Real quick on that. They've already started, obviously, demolition of the bleachers. Westside Club, going to do the Jumbotron in the north end. They are not doing the south end concourse. I don't know where some people have thought about that. South end is not doing. Two projects, Jumbotron, club or plaza area, party deck, whatever you want to call it, in the north end zone, and then that club on the west end. Why was Tyler Barron's playing time so limited this season? A little bit of an injury, I think, inconsistency, um, and splitting time as a as a um, as a rush in versus you know Tennessee on, on the strong side. So 
I think he was bothered by injury. We saw him get banged up multiple times there. Um, has the early signing day period actually solved any problems in the recruiting landscape? Programs experienced coaching changes are basically screwed for two years, seems to never blossom. Why not move it back to February or put a cap on maximum of 10 players can be signed, for example? Never going to put a cap on an early signing day period. I think the question has always been, is there enough time gap to justify the two signing periods when you're talking about December and February? I think no. I've said it from the start. I mean, if, I you want to make, if you want to make it a, a legit difference and have it be before, you know, have it be in August before Labor Day. Yes, I, 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 mean, I think so. I mean, early signing period in basketball is before the season starts or yes. before most high school season starts. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, again, most kids are going to sign in December because they're afraid they're not going to have a spot. But you got a lot of kids right now, Austin, who are looking for a place to play and are not sure what to do because the, the schools they've been talking to don't have a coach or don't have the coaches that they've built relationships with the last six or eight months, which, which makes it really hard. All right, last question to you, Austin. 22 is one of the most talent-rich in-state classes we've seen. Volquest talked about the importance of that in his cycle. Can't remember Tennessee having such little traction close to home. Understand we've had the NCAA issues and still do, but this is really bad. Players not interested, question mark. Coaches not targeting in-state, question mark. It's not that coaches haven't targeted in-state players, you know. I mean, the first thing you got to understand is not everybody that has a ranking beside their name is – you know, a, a great player, you know, and that goes for out-of-state guys, in-state guys. You know, it's about finding guys that fit your system. So, you know, just because somebody has some stars doesn't mean that the coaching staff wants them or they're a good player. Again, that's not just for Tennessee kids. That's for every state. Um, the other thing is, you know, I mean, Tennessee did like, you know, when you look at it, Dallin never came up here for a visit. Jordan James you know, never came up here for a visit. Ty Simpson didn't come Ty for a Simpson visit. Never came up here for a visit. The Wades came up here um, back before the, the the contact period, and then you know, picked Kentucky before Tennessee could ever get them to come on and take an, like a real visit. Like they came and walked around campus and did the whole COVID visit without being able to see anybody. Um, you know, you look you look at us. What I mean, Walter's been a fiasco from the start. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get what he's saying. It just kind of is what it is with this 22 class. Um, and it is unfortunate in some ways. Yep. And we'll see where Tennessee lands with the rest of this 22 classes. They have official visitors this weekend. Coaches on the road through um, – can be on the road through uh, the first part of this weekend, but they'll all be in town to handle official visits um, as Tennessee tries to close it out with signing day coming up on Wednesday. Tennessee basketball team back in action on Saturday, and uh, we'll have full coverage of that as well as the volunteers are at home. Plenty of things going on at ballquest.com, plenty of discussion going on there, so be sure and check us out. And uh, that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the ballquest.com mailbag podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.